This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How to deal with loneliness as an entrepreneur. I'm a business coach. How can I make space for my own needs and feelings? So how do we separate our work relationship from our personal slash romantic relationship? Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Freelance Friday podcast. Today's episode is a very special one. I have been asked so many times over the years to do an episode on entrepreneurship and mental health, because I feel like entrepreneurship really does bring up so many different mental health issues. It kind of brings them to the surface, right? When it comes to social anxiety, financial anxiety, uh, productivity focus, I am always happy to talk and, and share my own personal perspectives, but I'm by no means qualified to give advice or anything like that. So I decided to bring some experts onto the show today to answer all of your mental health related questions. We talked about so much good stuff from mindfulness and anxiety to even marriage and relationships and how that relates to business. We talked about the fear of selling, you know, imposter syndrome, showing up, taking up space, selling ethically so many good topics. And of course I got connected with all of these amazing therapists and coaches and people in this space because of the bundle that I'm currently participating in. So if you go to therabundle.com slash Latasha, you can scroll down on that page and see all of the amazing offers that are included. This bundle is just $100 and you get access to my course, the video lab. If you're looking to start on YouTube, you'll also get access to some other amazing online business resources, like some website, copy courses, a webinar, email template, so, so much more, as well as some great mindfulness and mental health resources. I know you're going to love it. And it is on sale just until Halloween only make sure to get on it. Cause there's some really good stuff in there. Therabundle.com slash Latasha. And I'll leave the link in the show notes as well. Let's hop into your questions. Yeah, so my offer is called mindfulness for busy professionals. It's a self-guided self-paced course to help people learn about how to incorporate mindfulness into their life without having to set aside, you know, tons of time each day to meditate. What does mindfulness mean? Because I think when I hear that word, I think exactly what you just said. I think meditation, I think it has to be this very intense thing where I'm dedicating maybe a lot of time or I have to know how to do it a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I talk about that in my offer also some of the common misconceptions of mindfulness. And that actually is one of them that mindfulness means meditation when really meditation is just one way of practicing mindfulness And mindfulness is simply the ability to be in the present moment. And that could even be just for a few seconds. So being in the moment, 
without ruminating on the past or worrying about the future. And it's so helpful because when we can start train ourselves to being a more mindful person, we experience less anxiety, less stress, more um, self-confidence, self-esteem, and we feel, we just feel better in the moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a couple of audience questions, maybe you can help out with one, I think is really related to what we're talking about. They asked, what are some tools to manage social anxiety when networking slash talking to clients or peers? I know I personally am very introverted. I was way more introverted when I first started my business. And so doing a discovery call or networking or going to an event was like terrifying for me. So any, any thoughts on that one? Oh, I totally feel that. And it's not even just that it's terrifying. It's exhausting because sometimes we feel like we have to put on this performance and, you know, there's a lot of techniques, you know, relaxation techniques that we can do to calm ourselves down physically. But I think what could be even more powerful is kind of that acceptance piece that comes with mindfulness of just accepting who you are, not acting or feeling like you have to perform or be a certain way. And just embracing it because then you're just being yourself. You're not exerting yourself to be fake because that, that is exhausting and embracing your quirks. So like for me, when I'm networking, which I do not like, it used to be so difficult because I thought I had to be very professional. And then I was like, you know what? Sometimes I'm awkward and that's okay. It'll Yeah. That's how it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And somebody will connect with that. You know, I've learned the more that I lean into my, my quirks or the things that make me unique, you're, you're like saying yes to people who identify with that. Like I consider myself a little, a little awkward sometimes. And I find we like find each other at the networking events. You know, I, I meet the other people who maybe are also a little uncomfortable to be there. Definitely. It, it's so important and it helps our confidence as well. And, and I'm, like what you were mentioning before that I'm so passionate about is embracing your identity without having to sacrifice your work. So like embracing who you are, not being fake, not performing. I get it. There are times where we might have to do that a little bit, but that doesn't have to be our entire work life. Yeah, for sure. And I think even um, to this person's question too, like there are so many different ways to network. So maybe for someone like you or I, maybe going to a, you know, a, a big stuffy conference, maybe that doesn't feel the best for, for, for us, but maybe you can network online or maybe you can go to something a little more casual or, you know, find a, I know I used to go to these kind of like creative meetups in my, in my city all the time. And those were a little bit less high pressure than like a business conference. Yeah. Um, another one kind of similar, um, but they asked, how can you handle rejection sensitivity when receiving either real or perceived rejection from again, potential prospects, clients, customers, peers? Yeah, I was, I was reading that question and I was thinking about it and the reality is rejection sucks. Like we're going to experience it. it, It's not going to feel good. And I think when we try to push away those feelings by telling ourselves to get over it or it's okay, and we try to just be positive, that can sometimes make it worse. So I think kind of allowing ourselves to feel how it kind of sucks to be rejected, letting ourselves feel all the feelings, they're not the feelings aren't going to stay there forever, being in the moment, accepting, basically accepting what we're feeling, and then those feelings will pass. They're not going to stay there. I know it's probably not the answer people want to hear. They want to, you know, feel better Mm -hmm. immediately, but it really doesn't work like that. 
Yeah. I don't, I am, I am not a therapist. So this is definitely not therapeutic, uh, a therapeutic answer, but I do ask myself, like, what if I didn't get this? Or what if they did say no? Like, usually the answer is not a make or break thing. You know, I'm still going to live. I'm still going to, you know, so I don't know if that's helpful or not. No, that's an excellent technique. And I think also realizing like, sometimes we make things more important or more powerful than what they actually are, or we make people more important. And really it's just like, they're just people. It's just opportunities. Mm -hmm. There will be more. Yes. Yes. And that's another one that has really, really helped me. I had a a rejection earlier this year that it crushed me in the moment. And then I thought about it and I was like, honestly, I get these kind of requests all the time. There are so many companies like this that will want to work with me in the future. And honestly, I needed the break. I needed, I actually needed that no, because I really was burnt out um, and overworked. So I kind of like try to see the positive in it too. So So mine is called a balanced guide to content marketing, basically how to content market without getting burned out. So it is an e-workbook that has a lot of exploration on exploring our business goals, our personality and our strengths, and then incorporating that into finding a plan that actually works for people rather than just feeling like I need to do all the things and then getting burned out and doing nothing. Yes. I, I, that, I think that describes it perfectly. That's what a lot of my listeners tell me is they're like, I, I have all these great ideas, but when it comes to actually executing and and making them happen, I get overwhelmed. And we got some audience questions about that. The first one is a very common one and, and speaks really directly, I think, to what your offer is all about. So this person says, I'm a business coach. How can I make space for my own needs and feelings while still prioritizing my clients? I'm sure like as a therapist, like the question of the hour, right? Like literally to me, when I'm hearing that question, it almost feels like they're at odds with each other. And so I'm curious about what about those client needs, maybe butting up against your boundaries or your values. And is there something that needs to be assessed? You know, maybe do we need to implement boundaries in our work? Do we need to limit the time that we work, the clients that we serve, the maybe creating clear expectations in some things. Maybe it's not about that at all. And maybe we're needing more self-care or an outlet after work. Maybe we need some joy or playfulness or some movement. And so I think I would dive a little bit inwards and noticing why are we noticing that tension and then seeing if we can provide that in a compassionate way to ourselves. Yeah. Okay. And then this person said, I find social media to be extremely distracting. Me too. (laughs) Um, Especially as someone with ADHD. So do you have any advice for minimizing those distractions when posting content and showing up on social? You know, they feel like they have to do it or they want to do it for their business, but I know I I've experienced that too. I get online to post a reel and the next thing I know rolling. Yep. I'm like, what was I, what was I even here for? Yes. I think such a good question. I think another one that's very relatable for people. I think time blocking can be a really huge resource. And I know in the fair bundle, there is an offer from another amazing contributor about time blocking. So that could be really something to explore because sometimes if we don't set those kind of like boundaries for ourselves, it's very easy to say, oh, I'm just going to go hop in real quick. And then it's never real quick. We are, yeah. we are deep in it. And so if we can maybe give ourselves permission to kind of like allow the rabbit trail to happen and lean into it with some structure and boundaries, 
instead of like constantly fighting against it, that can be really helpful. Um, and in those times, I don't know if like scheduling posts could ever be an option, right? So there's amazing resources, there's so many platforms now that you can schedule ahead of time. So yeah. we can, again, be in that little structured mindset and then just kind of let it be for a couple, maybe check back in in a couple days, comment if anyone's commented something, but it doesn't have to be a daily thing if that's a struggle. And my last thing that comes to my mind is if it's something that really just doesn't sit with your personality, that's okay. Maybe yeah. hiring that out. We There's incredible virtual assistants and social media managers who do this for a living and it works for their personalities. And so if you don't, if it's not worth the headache for you and you're just getting really frustrated and missing out on other stuff, is that worth your mental health to, to give that to somebody else? And speaking of scheduling your social media posts, today's episode is also sponsored by our friends at Metricool. Metricool truly is the Swiss army knife of social media for everything and everyone. If you've been looking for an all-in-one social media management tool, Metricool is your answer. It's free today, tomorrow, and for life. The free plan allows you to connect one brand across many social networks. You'll also get access to in-depth analytics to make strategic decisions. You can plan and auto schedule up to 50 pieces of content per month. Promote your posts in seconds by creating and managing ads directly through the platform. You can view best times to see when your followers are more active and know when to post. You can review and reply to all important social media messages in the inbox, and you can analyze up to five competitor profiles to spy on the brands that you like. It truly is a tool that you'll want to add to your social media toolkit. And if you think that the free plan is jam-packed with features, you've got to check out the premium plan. You can use the code Latasha at the link in the show notes to try that out for 30 days free. That's 30 days free on any of their premium plans using code Latasha. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you so much for being here. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do and what your TheraBundle offer is? Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, I am a couple psychotherapist and a couple's relationship coach. I believe in helping people hear words that actually work. I'm not someone who's like, just say that nicer. I'm like, here's what nicer sounds like. And so what I have in the TheraBundle are a couple of tools that are really geared towards taking the mental load out of coming up with the words. They're little cards. I can show you. They're little cards that you can print that have different things that you might need at the end of your day so that you can be like, here, spouse, this is what I need. I need a good hug or I need someone to talk to about my day. Are you up for it? Most of them are very kind and gentle, but some of them reflect my personality, which is a little bit more snarky than that. I downloaded this before we spoke and the cards on their own are so worth the price of the bundle. Honestly, I don't know what it is, but for me, like writing down my feelings sometimes is easier than expressing them face to face or or verbally. Um, And the cards, you can just pick the one that that matches best. It's a really great, great communication tool. Oh, thank you. So I asked my Instagram audience if they had any questions um, specific to this topic. My partner does not seem to respect what I do since I work from home and I'm not bringing in a huge amount of income yet. So how do I get him to understand that I need to take my business seriously? Any thoughts on that? Oh, this is such a hard one. It is. Um, 
we put so much into our businesses with the hope and dream of what they can be. And it is hard when your partner is not your cheerleader. Mm -hmm. So there isn't a switch that you can turn on that's going to make your partner be your cheerleader yeah, or value and respect your time. Um, I will say it is important that you stick with this. Stick with the business, but also stick with reminding your spouse. But it doesn't help to remind your spouse with nagging and criticizing. Mm -hmm. It does help to talk about it in what it means to you when they really recognize and pour that into you. And to be patient, we're two separate people. We're not supposed to see everything eye to eye. So if the rest of your relationship is really great and they are not 100% on board with your business, then maybe that's just not the thing that they're going to be on board about. I do podcasting, guesting all the time, and I just love it. But my husband doesn't care. Like, he really doesn't. And I'll hit these benchmarks. Um, I've been... I've probably been on 75 or 100. And me, oh. I'm, yay, look at what I did. And he's like, uh-huh, what are you? So like, also, I recognize that's just not his thing. He's not going to be supporting me in that way. But recognizing the ways that he does support me, that's where we really connect. And, and that carries us through the other areas. Yeah, that's great. Okay, and then next question is a, really good one as well. Probably a tough one. Also, um, my partner and I are in business together. So how do we separate our work relationship from our personal slash romantic relationship? Some people can work with their spouses and other people cannot. Um, I think about pro a joint couple projects, like you either work on the thing together or you divide and conquer and work yeah. on it separately. And then you reach the goal together. And I am a separate reach the goal together. So my husband and I could never work <laughs> on a business together. Our personalities just would not align that way. So when you are an entrepreneur, there's a lot more pressure on your business. When you're an entrepreneur and your partner is also your partner in your business, that just jumps it up another level. Yeah. Okay. I think... All couples go through phases where their whole life is the business mm -hmm. and then they have to scale back and figure out where those boundaries have to go. For some couples, those are very strict and like, this is the beginning of the workday. This is the end of the workday. Beyond those hours, we don't talk about the business. Yeah. And other couples have to have like blocks of time that are carved out. They're like, these are non-business hours and yeah. they have to be time when we just connect with one another but it's really easy for all the work stuff home stuff and then relationship stuff just to get all enmeshed and that's where you run into a lot of problems yeah yeah so you've done this what would you add to that well yeah I mean the other thing that comes to mind and I'm sure people everyone can relate to this you know sometimes you're spending a lot of time together, maybe taking care of the kids or running the business or taking care of the house, cleaning, but that might not be quality time, right? So you might be spending 24 seven together, but if it's just all been working on the business or working on the house, 
you still have to make sure that you make that time to keep the romance alive, you know, to, to still date each other, to still have fun with each other and, you know, have that personal romantic time. That's not just focused on the tasks and, and, and survival basically. Yeah. There are two, two time blocks that are really helpful. And this isn't just for couples with businesses. This is really for all couples. One is to have that time set aside to really connect but the other thing, and with businesses, this is even more important, is to have a weekly business meeting. Mm. If you have a business, you need to have a meeting where that is where you talk about those things. But even if you don't have a business, once a week, sitting down for 30 minutes and like looking at the calendar and figuring out what's where are going to be the bumps and what's going to be the thing that gets dropped and who's going to handle it, like all of that just makes it takes so many of the miscommunications out of your lives so that you then have a lot less conflict and a lot less irritability with each other. My name is Monica. I'm a licensed marriage family therapist, um, certified trauma therapist and trauma-informed coach for audacious, overworked and burnt out professionals. Okay, so we're gonna get into a couple of audience questions if that's okay. Yeah, um, so first one, cause something else you talked about in your class was community. And I thought that tied in really well with this question, which is how to deal yeah. with loneliness as an entrepreneur. I think, especially like since 2020, so many people worked from home and maybe yeah. totally pivoted online. So do you have any, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, we're actually starting to get some like data on that. And, um, statistically, uh, 86% of remote workers were reporting burnout compared to 70% of their in-office peers. Wow. So, I mean, that's significant. There was also a study that was done by the Associated Press um, that came out and said that isolation is as detrimental to your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's right? terrifying. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so I think that this question is like, it's deep and an important conversation that we should be acknowledging, especially for solopreneurs and freelancers who may be, again, doing more remote work um, or working on a project alone. I think that business really does sometimes attract people who are really self-led, really independent, maybe a little bit of an over-functioner, right? Like the type A plus person who's like, I don't want a group project. I can do this, you know, just yep. fine on my own. Um, and sometimes those folks have some um, bias about community, right? Like, yeah. mm, no, thank you. I don't need that. Like, not for me. You know, they'll do one-to-one -one therapy, but maybe not do like a group coaching or do group group work, right? Um, so I think that it's important to notice that that is a risk factor. That's going to be a risk factor, not just like for burnout, but like the loneliness and how that can affect your overall nervous system, your creativity, um, your growth. So I think that, again, this is a huge, important question and probably one that could be its own, <laughs> its own yes. thing. Um, but I highly, highly um, stress to my audience that getting in connection with others who are like-minded is going to help you go so much farther, so much faster. They say that you're most like the five people you spend your most time with. So as an entrepreneur, if you have colleagues or friends even by proxy who are negative or fixed mindset or just burnt out or like, oh, I don't know, I'm really in it, you know, that's going to come towards you, right? That's mm -hmm. going to start to impact you. Um, so ideally, if you're surrounding yourself with 
with five folks who are aligned, value-driven, growth mindset that are going to hold you accountable, cheer you on, that is really going to go a long way to supporting you in feeling alone in the work that you're doing. Um, and it's going to help you to grow and expand. So um, finding group opportunities like your coaching, your group coaching yeah. program, um, or, or like the group coaching program that I offer, things like that, where you have opportunities to be in, in connection, even if it's that you don't attend the live call, if you just watch mm -hmm. the replay, then you can like reach out and make that accountability buddy that is going to protect you and be such a preventative factor for you in burning out and even just leaving your business altogether because you have that support. That stat that you shared. I mean, oh my gosh, if, if we're investing in a gym membership or eating healthy, like we should be investing in this too. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. Next audience question is how to handle the stress of business going up and down. This is one that I think, you know, even I've been doing this for years and I still, there, if I have a, a bad month, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's over. My business is failing. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. The struggle is real. And I think that, um, those stories that we notice when we're like in the slump or in the down, those are the mindsets. Those are the, the those are the red flags that are showing you. Like if you follow me, you'll find the root, right? Like if you follow me, you can heal this. Right. And that's, the kind of work that I love doing with clients. So um, I also may have a little bit of another unpopular opinion here. Um, I think that the work of an entrepreneur, business owner, um, anyone who has this sort of um, ebb and flow in their work, the reality is I don't know that it's for everyone. Yeah, You know, um, yeah. I think that it really does take um, somebody who has not only the desire to do it, but the internal and external resources to tolerate it. Yeah. And so I just want to like normalize that and give permission to anyone who's like, man, this literally feels like death every time I'm in a slump. Like, okay, well, let's try and support that, heal that. And if it still doesn't feel like something you can tolerate, like it may not be for you and that's okay, you know? Yeah. So I'm all about um, nervous system healing and regulation. And, and I think that there, I know that there are somatic tools that we can learn that help us to build our resiliency by attuning to our body, we can resource ourselves and this can help us to manage some of that stress that shows up, right? Like if you can sense that, like, oh crap, like the, you know, the mm -hmm. stomach dropping, like if you can be attuned to that, then you can say like, wait, 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 it's going to be okay. My Therabundal offer is Achieve with Authenticity. It's a social media course. Um, so my course dives into how to get started on social media, how to show up as yourself on social media and do so in an authentic way that doesn't make you feel uncomfortable. Amazing. Yeah. All right. I want to hop into a couple of audience questions. Um, yeah. Let's start with this one as it relates to social media tasks. So they said... How do you schedule business or social media tasks while also taking care of your needs, like working full-time, cleaning? Um, this person also said that they have ADHD. So I know that's a struggle. Like there's so many things when you're running a business. Um, how do you schedule that stuff in? I'm an ADHD girly too. So I feel it. Um, I will say like backgrounds about me. I'm a group practice owner. So I have 12 clinicians. We're growing another department. I have a continuing education department. I'm constantly growing and building things in the TheraBundle. Um, Tamara's adding the Trello um, template. Oh, cool. Use, 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 use that. Like I, I use Trello. It is my lifeline. 
social media for me, I schedule content out. Truthfully, I schedule a month out because I know every year, I mean, we're talking around the time of Halloween, Halloween date doesn't change every year. Thanksgiving date doesn't change every year. I know what's coming up in my next month. So I'll schedule a bunch of content out for the month. That's what works for me. I tell people if it works a month at a time, a week at a time, do that instead. Kind of quarterly, I change that around, especially that I have ADHD. I'm like, this is boring. (laughs) Let me try something else. Yeah. But I I schedule my content out and my followers all know that um, every Friday is my hair washing day. So on Fridays and Saturdays, I'm making content, right? So I'm scheduling that out for the following week. And that's what works for me. I have to say for things like cleaning, cooking, I'm very fortunate. I have a very great partner (laughs) that does those things. So I, I will say that, you know. Yeah. Yes, that that's so important. And thank you for acknowledging that. Speaking of, like you do a lot. You're you're clearly uh <laughs> crushing it in the business world, the, the therapy world. So how do you balance genuinely enjoying work and overworking yourself? I think this is really common with entrepreneurs because we do love what we do, right? It's like this is so fun. But yeah. how do you know when to take a break, even if you don't necessarily feel like you may need one? So I feel that I'm a person that's never gonna feel that I need one, but I I because I do, I, I genuinely enjoy working. I love being able to serve my community. I love being able to see my own growth. And with that, being able to see others grow, especially I do coaching and consulting. Um, but I, I reflect often and I journal a lot of why did I start this business? And it was so that I had more of that free time to like spend with loved ones and families. If I notice for myself that I'm saying no to more of the fun things or time with loved ones, then I know it's time for a break because then I'm definitely overworking myself. Um, I'm full transparency. We, my partner and I just got married. Um, he and yes. I just got married like a week ago. Thank you. Oh, wow. So we're, we're going on our honeymoon literally next week. So I'm going to be off the grid <laughs> for yes. two weeks. Um, but I worked my schedule around making sure that like all my assistants that I have, they're good to go. And I truly can take that time. So I, I I check in with myself daily and also weekly of like, how much time did I spend with loved ones? Um, Did I give myself enough that? Cause that is self-care for me. I, I always say when my, when my nieces were born, self-care for me was like the last bit of self-care for their moms, because I was, I would come over and be like, I want to spend time with them because the second I had them in my hands, my hands were no longer on the phone or on the laptop or something. So helping them out really helps me just like connect, you know, it, yeah. it's finding what brings you joy and, and making sure you're really adding that in um, to your day to day, if not weeks a week. I love that. I'm a very proud auntie too. And it's like, when I <laughs> am with them, I am with them. Like I am, I'm yeah. not, you know, on the laptop or multitasking. It's just about finding your values. Right. And like, you know, family is something that's important to us. Maybe mm-hmm. for other people, it's like, working out or, you know, whatever, whatever that non-negotiable is, um, finding that and making sure that you're adhering to that. A thousand percent. Oh, I am a licensed clinical social worker. Um, I'm no longer practicing therapy. I built um, my group practice when I lived in Colorado to 15 therapists, seven figures in revenue and I sold it in 2021 and now I've pivoted and I'm doing consulting, coaching, retreats. Amazing. I want to get into a couple audience questions that I think you may have something to say about. So the first one is, do people have lots of anxiety about leaving a secure job and going on their own? This is such a great question. 
I also really struggled with this when I first started my private practice because I had worked, you know, in just normal social work jobs before, um, before I started my practice I was actually working as a care manager for Humana. I had a 401k, I had benefits, I had PTO, and all those things go away when you yep. start your own business. But the trade-off is that you do get freedom and flexibility. So if you ha are having anxiety about that, something that really helps me and has helped me even now with this other shift that I've made is to think about, again, the big picture. What do you want your life to look like? What are you living for? What are your values? What does your perfect day look like? And how is where you're at now fit in with that? And how can the future fit in with that? So for me, I don't wanna be working 40 hours a week for somebody else. Like those benefits are nice, but what's nicer to me is to be in control and live how I want to live. This is also really helpful because I have ADHD. So I have really perfected how I work and when I work. And I can't do that if I am putting in hours for someone else. So if you are afraid, I think the biggest thing that helps me is to remember that through the fear and when I leaned into the fear, that's when the biggest changes and the most success, I put that in quotes, has happened in my career and in my life. Mm, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I totally agree. How can you tell what your actual skills, strengths, and weaknesses are compared to your negative core beliefs when it comes to creating products and services? specifically when you want to make sure that you provide ethical and valuable products and services. Lots yeah. Questions from your peeps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think as far as the ethical piece goes, use the people that are available to you. Remember, you don't have to do this all by yourself. That is why attorneys exist. I know they're expensive, but it's more expensive to get sued. So yes. pay, pay the money upfront. Um, and you know, there's lots of things that you can do um, in that respect to make sure that it's ethical. So, and from a therapy perspective, like we have a board that we report to. So even though I'm not doing therapy anymore um, and I'm doing coaching and consulting, I still have a, an active license. So I need to make sure that I'm doing that in an ethical way. So check into your state's rules, your board's rules, if you have one, um, and do the research and the work from the people who have already done it. So there's lots of courses and um, coaches and consultants who are, you know, they are experts in marketing and they can tell you like, this is how you ethically market things. You can't say this. Um, there's a lot of that in healthcare. You know, we have to be careful about how we say things and what we put out there. Yep. Um, so that's the ethical piece. And I think as far as figuring out if you're good at it or if it's a negative belief, what is the evidence? So if you asked your best friend or your mom, or even a coworker about, do you think I'm good at this? Just ask them. I find that's really helpful because we have our own story and narrative inside of our head that we get caught up in. But if I, you know, ask my mom, like, do you think I'm good at playing the violin? She's going to be like, no, you've never played the violin in your life, right? Like, she's going to be honest with me about yeah. that. 
Um, so ask your people, look for the evidence for and against is this is kind of a CBT approach, which I don't like normally do, but I think it's helpful for this. Um, Cause you can see, is it based in reality or is this something that I'm coming up with? Um, I'm a minimizer and that is a whole different podcast episode about trauma. <laughs> and <laughs> so I oftentimes just kind of feel like, eh, like I sold my business. It's not really a big deal. But when I talk to my peers or I get feedback from other people, they have such a different viewpoint and perspective on that. And that has really helped with my own imposter syndrome and working through that and looking like, no, I, I did build a business to seven figures and I sold it and not not everybody has done that and I know how to do it. So that's just like in my own personal example. Um, but that's why I think it's important to not be isolated, which is really easy to do when a lot of us work online. So you need to find your people that can help you work through some of that stuff or a therapist who can also yeah. work through that. Absolutely. So I contributed my webinar promotional templates. So they are copy templates for webinar promo emails where you basically just plug and play, you fill in the blanks and you send out the invitations. I was looking through your website and you shared that a core belief of yours is that good people need to make money. And I really wanted to talk about that topic because I know personally, one of my big money blocks as an entrepreneur was I kind of had this belief that making money is selfish or, you know, you can't be a good person yeah. if you're so focused on money. So mm -hmm. can you talk me through your thoughts on that? Yes, like any advice absolutely. for people who feel that way? I have so many thoughts about this. So I'll try and keep it really condensed. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I did a live on this in my free Facebook group where it's like, I think that all of us should aim to make $500,000 because mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z reasons. And like the nerdy thing that the therapist might appreciate because there's a bit of a scientific basis. Um, in economics, there's this thing that they, they think about or they call the multiplier effect and the trickle down effect. And it's basically that when we earn money, um, we spend that money on things, right? And some of it trickles away into taxes and inflation and our savings account. But other amounts we go and we spend in other places. And then the second it gets into place number two, the same thing happens, right? Some of it goes to taxes, some of it goes to paying their employees, but they go and they spend two. $1 isn't just $1, right? And $1 that you put on your savings account does something different than $1 you pay to McDonald's does something very yeah. different than $1 you pay to your local organic food store, soap mm -hmm. store, candle maker, therapist, healer, yeah. meditation, yoga teacher, what have you. And I just feel really strongly that if good people that make buying decisions from a place of enjoyment to places that use ethical sourcing, that pay their workers well, that money that we earn doesn't just improve our lives, but all of theirs too. And yep. I feel like that's been a way for me to connect like earning really good money with doing a lot of good things, yeah. even if we don't set up our own charitable foundations. Oh, yeah, for sure. I asked my audience if they had any questions as it relates uh -huh. to to what you do. So first one is I feel like I'm being pushy or annoying when uh, promoting myself. Do you have any thoughts on pushing past that feeling and learning to take up space? I run into this too still, even though this is literally my job where 
I reached out to a client, one of my higher level clients. I was like, hey, I know we talked in January about this thing. Um, it wasn't the right time. Are you interested right now? And she goes like, what was it again? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. One of my top 1% clients. And I was like, that conversation was six months ago and she forgot what the program was. And it wasn't yep. that she wasn't interested or it wasn't good. So it's this thing where we might feel like we talk about it again and again, but it's really not like that for our audience. And if you think of your own consumption of your email and social media, I think that in the last month or two, there have probably been six to 10 things that I would have bought if they saw one extra email and I actually saw it on the day of the deadline. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there's that part. And I think that there's a second part where I work with a Dutch business coach and she always says, your people are lying, bleeding on the street and you're letting them lie there. Yes. Right. Yeah. I think reframing that, you know, reframing selling as a service really helps me too. I'm not, I, I don't want to push my services <laughs> on anybody. I want to provide them a solution that they're asking yeah. for. With that said, I think there is still a way to sell unethically and ethically, right? Yeah. So this person yeah. asked, how do I sell ethically without compromising my core values or beliefs? This is um, a really tricky one where we kind of have to, like the fact that you worry about this usually tells me that you're in no way in danger, right? That's the first thing. Um, I personally feel really strongly about I never encourage people to take out loans to afford me. I'm not one of those people who go and say like, oh, just sell your secondhand stuff and take an Uber job. Like that's because yeah. for me, that place, right. And especially because I work with more advanced business owners, it's not a safe place to build from. It's not a safe place to grow from. And the other thing I think is that if you are really explicit about how you work and especially who it is perfect for, yeah. I trust my potential client to make the right decision for them because it's also this thing where it's none of my business, what they can and cannot afford. It's none of my business. If they are the perfect person, if I've been really upfront and been really honest about here is where I'm great at, here's what I can do. Here's what I see for you. Do you want it? I trust them to make the best decision for them. Yeah. yeah. And that to me is where the line is. For sure. Yeah. I think that's a, a great, a great rule of thumb because yeah, I, I can't tell people just like, I can't tell people you have to buy this. I also shouldn't be telling you, you shouldn't buy this. You can't afford, you know, that, right. that's up to them to decide for sure. Yeah. And it's this thing where growing through, right. I've, I've got what, like over six years of online business experience. Now mm -hmm. I have definitely bought a thing or two where I officially was not ready and they have been the best sort of most forward motion. I don't want to call it quantum leap. Like that's a bit far-fetched, but the most forward motion I've ever experienced because you kind of want to catch up to the investment in the thing. Yeah. And like, if they would have turned me down, that would have sucked. You know, yeah. they would have told me, no, Sandra, you're not allowed. Yep. That would have really held back my growth in that particular area at those times. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really hope this episode was helpful. If you have any questions for me in particular in regards to any of this stuff, feel free to leave them in the comments. And if any of these tips or resources really stood out to you, please let me know that in the comments if you're comfortable as well. Subscribe to the show, the podcast, and don't forget to check out Therabundle, therabundle.com slash Latasha. I'll talk to you in the next one. Bye.